0: Everybody, and welcome to C2C Radio Show. It's corner to corner time right here live from C2CradioShow.com, Spreaker.com, rebroadcasting through all of your favorite podcasts and internet radio outlets, including Spotify, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Radio. Good Lord. I mean, there's so many different outlets you can find us now. It's a kind of out of hand. I'm Stan Grubb, your host for the evening. Rob and Brian have been tied up, uh, and so they will be joining us again next week right here on C2CRadioShow.com. But I wanted to go ahead and make sure that we had interesting topics topics to talk about this evening, not topics. That's what goes on my ice cream. Difficult, you know, when there's nobody here to bounce off of. But what the hell, we're going to give it a shot, right? <clears throat> so, as far as length of broadcast this evening, yeah, we'll go as long as we can. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, all sorts of different things. We're actually going to talk about All Elite Wrestling versus NXT round 4. Hard to believe that this has actually gone a month already. We'll talk about some of the ratings. We'll talk about uh, how NXT is still delivering good quality programming, but apparently not delivering in the ratings. That seems to be the the going statement over on AEW side, as their great, great programming is still coming in through and coming in hot, but they're declining in the ratings. But not quite as much as NXT. We'll also take a look at WWE's Raw and SmackDown in short form. Simply because, quite frankly, I didn't really watch a whole lot of it. We will cover NWA Power as always, as they continue to light up the world of professional wrestling. Twitter is all a buzz about NWA Power, uh, and it's every single week they are delivering good old school feel programming. Uh, the The journey of Tim Storm continues to stand out as, in my mind as uh, one of the one of the hot. Storylines for N.W.A. Power. And we'll even take a look at uh, Josephus and him throwing the... Well, let's just say he attacks Colt Cabana. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I wanted to lead off tonight about the NXT star Jordan Miles t-shirt. So he was formerly known as ACH in Ring of Honor. And Jordan Miles goes on Twitter this afternoon talking about a t-shirt design that sadly, really indicates, or or not indicates, um, resembles, closely resembles that of uh, a person with blackface. Now, if you're not really aware what that is, and I know that that's not often, but if you're not, basically put, there was a time where in television and in uh, different forms of performance and unfortunately different racially tied uh, events where white people would put on basically black paint or face paint to attempt to make fun or resemble that of an African-American. This is something that happened, you know, during the time of history in the 50s and 60s. It happened some in the 70s and 80s, and it became more of a racially divisive method and so it was It they stopped, rightfully so there wasn't as much usage of it as it finally died out Um, you could see that there was a change of the culture and a change of the attitude about how racism was quote unquote tolerated and then basically how people were trying to get rid of it which is what we would hope for right, we want there to be a a presence of peace and also coexistence, living together you know not having to worry about race or skin color or gender or any of that stuff. But, NXT releases a t-shirt where it's basically a, an all-black shirt with a smiley face kind of situation where Jordan Miles is in all-white and the mouth, or the smile, is in red, so the rest of the t-shirt's in black. I gotta say... I happen to see why people would be upset about this. This definitely resembles quite closely to that of a, a blackface. Um, and as a white person, as a white man, I've I got to say it's uncomfortable. Um, I feel bad for Jordan Miles and any African American that's ever been subjected to this type of thing because it's unacceptable, it's insensitive, and it's really a shame that something like this would be put out there for public consumption. Now... There's been responses, which I'll cover here in just a moment, not just from Jordan Miles, but also from WWE and NXT talent. Um, there is a <clears throat> a protest going on right now where Jordan Miles has asked for any of his uh, brethren, and i got to be careful here because I'm not trying to word this in a negative fashion, but any of his colleagues that feel as offended or hurt and want to see change, to take their profile picture from color to black and white, and um, go ahead and, and voice their opinions with the hashtag of uh, for the culture. Now it's been viral. It's been going on for quite a while, and it's something that is gaining momentum. Now Jordan says that, and this is in a tweet from early this morning where. He, he knew the shirt existed, and he hasn't been happy about it since it came out. And he's actually stated in using this as... Well, let me be careful there. I wouldn't say he's using it, but he is making sure that the, the disappointment and the anger on his end, and that of his colleagues, um, is being felt and being recognized. And his biggest statement was really to voice how disappointed and upset he is and how he wants this changed, and he wants the representation of Afri- African Americans to be changed in WWE and NXT. This isn't the first time this has come up. This is something that, unfortunately, continually comes up. Um, most recently, before this incident with, with Jordan Miles and his t-shirt, uh, there was conversation about Kofi Kingston and his his title reign and subsequent loss to Brock Lesnar being a racially motivated thing. Now, let's be clear that there wasn't really any kind of commentary from Kofi regarding that, but for a guy that you know has busted his ass for 11 years, only got one true shot at the main event, wins the title from Daniel Bryan in dramatic fashion, only to lose it to Brock Lesnar in seconds. Um, there was conversation from social media, from fans, stating that they felt that it was uh, because Kofi was black. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the true reason. I mean, we're not going to say that this is 100% what WWE feels or 100% what they not, what they don't. It's, it's not an indication either way. I don't work there, and I don't know these guys personally, but it's wrong. I mean, a t-shirt like this comes out, it's insensitive, and it's really offensive to multiple people. I mean, it's not just it's not just an African-American thing. I mean, it's any kind of minority, if you really think about it, because if they'll do this to an African-American, what makes you think that they wouldn't do this to a Chinese or a Japanese-American? I mean, they've done it. If you really look at what they've tried to force with characters like Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka, um, instead of just letting them be the performers that they are, there's got to be a reference to the culture, right? So Kabuki warriors, or uh, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura has to know martial arts or something like that. Like there's there's all these subtle but not so subtle hints that get thrown out there because of the culture. And you know, you know, in the business of professional wrestling, that kind of thing does get used. You see, um, I mean, gosh, you see the the anger that gets generated for characters like Rusev or the Great Kali or even back in the day like Muhammad Hassan where they were people of you know minorities but they were also religious sects or or not sects but um, uh, groups or they were uh, you know different countries that were supposedly terrorists and so these were coming from all of these ethnic in in heritage based characters where it could have been just simply based off who the wrestler is and who the performer is that's the thing that's the thing that's always bothered me and I've said it many times both here in a written form that wrestling is better when it's focused on the talent and the story told inside the ring I could care less about if someone is Iranian or if they're African American or if they listen to hip hop or if they listen to country music I really don't care I want to see good wrestling, I like the good storyline, but let's have the storyline revolve about what it should, and that's wrestling. Why can't it be that? Why does Crime Time, Shad and and JTG, why did they have to be thieves and quote-unquote thugs? Why couldn't they have just been a talented black tag team? Why did Virgil have to play the role of a slave during the 90s? Think about it. I mean, he was... The Million Dollar Man's Butler, right? But ultimately, he was painted as a servant for Ted DiBiase. Now, granted, he has a storyline where he finally breaks free of Ted DiBiase's, you know, tyranny, and of course, it's dr- dramatized. But he does get that moment. But how quickly did he fall down that ladder again after that feud was over? Look at Ahmed Johnson. Now, Ahmed, unfortunately, was, you know, troubled with injuries over the course of his career in WWE. But he wins the Intercontinental Championship. The night he wins the Intercontinental title, he goes outside and there's a racial slur basically written on his vehicle, on his rental car. You know, congrats, and then, you know, there's the racial slur. I mean, how often is this really happening? Is this happening in the locker room? Well, frankly, we don't know. Now, what we do know is that there's... There's an appearance right now of WWE attempting to do damage control. And I say it this way because it's concerning to me that they would do this instead of just simply, I don't know, maybe going to Jordan Miles personally and saying, Hey, listen, you're right, this is absolutely wrong of us, and we shouldn't do this, let's fix this. Or, you know, because it's gone public and gone viral the normal or the reaction that most people would say to go about would be to not necessarily hide from it, but not necessarily just start openly talking about it on television. I'm not even sure what I would say their response should be. And the only reason I say it that way is because it's almost like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because think about it. Let's say they come out and they say, Hey, you know, we want to make a public apology to Jordan Miles. And to all of our African-American fans, we're really sorry that we came out with this, tele- this T-shirt that was offensive. We're going to take a long, hard look, and we're going to try to re- reaffirm our you know, desire to be inclusive of, inclusive of all people. So if they were to come out with that statement, if they were to do this publicly, like on a Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or even NXT, the problem is someone's ultimately going to say, ah, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. There's not enough anger. There's Or no, 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 not enough anger, but not enough remorse. There's not enough of what they're going to do. They can't make up for it. Well, then if they say nothing, let's just say they ignore it and just pull it off the market and don't acknowledge it on social media. If they don't do anything, well, now it's they've not said anything. They're not taking responsibility. They're not holding themselves accountable. You're really screwed, right? Because unless you just throw yourself on the feet, to the feet of public forum and public opinion and say, listen, we screwed up, and just let them hammer on you, which is ultimately what's going on either way. I mean, do you win? How do you win this fight? And you can't, because you screwed up big time with the design of a t-shirt that's going to offend millions of people. And they do try damage control. They do try to make things right, in a sense, because... I don't know that I'd have gone this direction. So, as as this continued to build up steam today, as this continued to gain momentum, WWE issued a press release where they essentially stated that Jordan Miles was um, involved in the design of the shirt and uh, that he actually approved the original design. But his request to have the shirt removed was honored. So, here we go. Albert Hardy, Jr., aka Jordan Miles, approved his T-shirt for sale. As always, we work collaboratively, collaboratively, <laughs> with all of our performers to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process with Albert, and we responded swiftly once he later requested with the logo and T-shirt that the logo and t-shirt be redesigned. No t-shirts were sold. Well that's good news. I mean, I don't want to see this t-shirt out in public. And unfortunately, social media being what it is, we already had a bunch of ridiculous trolls out there just putting the most racial garbage that ugh. It's disgusting and all they're trying to do is get reaction and attention. That's I've already paid too much attention to it. But the real sad thing is it's racism is out there, guys, and it's it's out there and it's it's horrible. The hate that's getting conveyed out there from one race to another, regardless of type, is really ridiculous. But Jordan Miles in this incident just brings further and further attention to this kind of scenario, and I do hope that there's a strong change in a long-lasting change that happens within WWE. I want to say, in my heart of hearts, that I don't think that WWE would knowingly come out with a product like this in an attempt to come off as just so racist that it's just... Impossible to look away from. But at the same time, when you release a statement like this, you're almost putting the blame back on Jordan Miles. Well, Jordan Miles even stated that he knew the shirt was out there, but as he continued, you know, over time, it, it ate him up. It made him even more angry or upset. And ultimately, he had to come forward and finally state say, say to them or state to them that they need to get rid of this shirt and remove it off of WWE shop. So they did. And no shirts have been sold. Now, in one way, shape, or form, I can understand if somebody would say, okay, fine, it's done, it's over with. But here's the problem, it's really not. Because this kind of thing happens every day. If it's not merchandise, then it's television time. If it's not television time, it's in the vignettes. And if it's not in the vignettes, then it's in the character development. This is one of those moments where it really needs to be an entire, to quote John Moxley, paradigm shift. It needs to be a change of way of thinking from what it was to what it is now. And the reason I say that is quite clear. It's, it's no longer tolerable. It's no longer acceptable to behave in this fashion. It hasn't been that way in quite some time. So why anyone would think, hey, this doesn't seem right. And here's the thing. WWE is a publicly traded company on the stock exchange. They are huge. And you know Brian says what he does about how easily they could get knocked off in this whole thing with AEW. Well, this kind of an incident doesn't help them. And you would think that they would have someone in marketing. They they've got a very diverse culture in their employment at least from what I've seen in photos of their staff um that you would think someone would say mm, hey uh, Vince or Triple H or whomever Hey, uh, I don't think this is really going to work. Um, so, you know, I did a little bit of research, and here's what I found. All you have to do is it. think about it. Let If you were to go to Google right now, go to Google right now, and if you were to type, not that I endorse this in any way, shape, or form, but if you wanted to know what is blackface, so we'll do this right now. We'll just type blackface in Google. The definition says the makeup used by a non-black performer play, playing a black role. A sheep of a breed with a black face is the other definition. It looks like there's two different definitions. But it's it's one of those things where it's not an acceptable practice anymore. Wikipedia, uh, nmahi.si.edu, there's blog post. there's a CNN report from February It says why blackface is offensive. Brown face, black face, they're all offensive, and here's why. I mean, there's multiple reports. This one is from September 20, so just just a few weeks ago. So we know it's still happening. We know that this is still, unfortunately, a thing. And, you know, I don't know that even even if this was a storyline, which, by the way, if it was, that's just absolutely crazy. Why on earth would you ever want this to be a storyline? But okay. Even if this is a storyline. And because we have seen. We have seen. You know racially motivated storylines in the past. I mean the Nation of Domination when it first started. Was not uh, was not just a group of guys unhappy about their place within the company. It was uh, a group of African Americans that were unhappy with the treatment of how WWE viewed them. And how they were positioned within the company. They treated it like a true to life kind of. Black Panthers and how they feel about their role within a wrestling company, but that's how they treated it, and that's the thing. Even if this was a storyline like that, a strong storyline, and it would be. This would be a polarizing storyline, to say the least. It still brings attention to a situation that needs to be addressed and resolved. So, in that regard, even if it was, even if it was quote-unquote a work, Jordan Miles and doing what he's doing right now, it takes a lot of guts to go ahead and bring, put some attention to it. Because, hey, if it's not a storyline and the heat he's got on him right now, the the nuclear heat, as some would say, it's, it's bearing down. But think about it. you got Cedric Alexander, you got Kofi Kingston, The New Day. You've got so many within that company. Keith Lee that are just over the top, overwhelmingly talented. Bobby Lashley, Booker T., And all of these guys deserve recognition for the right reasons. The Street Profits are another great one. It, It shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter what the color of their skin is, where they came from, how they came up, any of that. Can they wrestle? Can they tell a story in the ring? Can they be compelling or entertaining? What is wrong with that? What's wrong with just telling the wrestling story? It wasn't too long ago. Well, it was a while ago. But it wasn't too long ago where Paul Heyman stood in the ring with Vince McMahon and told him that he made professional wrestling a dirty word. And then he came up with sports entertainment. Now, back in the 90s, it made sense to me, at least as a fan, because you had to call it something in a way to avoid you know, the tax issue that they were dealing with in New Jersey, but also to avoid the as Vince put it, the insulting of a person's intelligence. But the reality was it wasn't about him recognizing insulting someone's intelligence because we can look at today's programming and see that that's just not the case. He's still doing it. He does it on a day-to-day basis right now. I don't know that he does it on purpose because, frankly, I don't know the guy. But, you know, there's there's going to be guys in the industry, especially up at the top, that think... They know best, and and you're either going to be with them or against them. And the decisions that you make as you go forward is going to be how you support or don't support those companies. It's why AEW is the talk of the town right now. It's why their show is so strong, because people are looking for something different. They're waiting for something different. And getting back into this issue with Jordan Miles, this t-shirt is just another example of a company that is sadly out of touch with what the fans really respect, and appreciate. And that's, you know, hey, here's here's the secret. It's still wrestling. It's always been wrestling. Nobody tuned in to WWE Raw just so they could see what, if Brian Pillman was going to make Goldust wear a dress, or vice versa. They tuned in, what's going to happen on WWF, period. Like, World Wrestling Federation world wrestling entertainment it hasn't been dropped from the name because that's just what it is i mean for crying out loud you're you would think that if you acknowledge the the main show of your company every single year is called wrestlemania and you created it it's your baby it's the main draw but it still has wrestling in the title like you're not getting away from that it's still presented in the 20 by 20 it's still wrestling so get away from the from the racism and the stupidity. I mean, this t-shirt idea was a horrible call. And and they deserve to be bashed, bashed for it. And they deserve to be dunked on. They deserve to be dragged for it. However you want to say it, they deserve it because this was such a stupid stupid move. And frankly, and and if Jordan Miles is to be listening and hey, that'd be cool. Um, you know what, man? I support you, dude. I, I, I support you, and I respect the hell out of what you're doing because it takes a lot of balls to be out there in the public eye and say, you know what, this is not right. This is wrong. So, there you have it. So, C2C Radio, corner to corner, does not, under any circumstances, does not support any kind of, uh, uh you know, bigotry or racism or inequality amongst any people, I mean, gosh, it's it's just no longer a time to accept any of that kind of behavior, and quite frankly, we've said it many times, gosh, we just want to see what happens in the ring, we're a wrestling show, it's what we want to see, it's why, it's why we love AEW so much right now, it's why NWA Power is doing so well, we just want to see good wrestling personally, I don't care if it's called sports entertainment, as long as the wrestling is good. But at the moment you start going down that road where the wrestling is bad, or there's not any wrestling, well, I guess even you can call it whatever you want. Just do me a favor and keep it off my TV. So, that being the case, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I wanted to make sure we pointed it out. I wanted to make sure it was acknowledged, and I wanted to make sure that Corner to Corner's Stance was recognized as this. We will not tolerate any kind of degree of uh, discrimination, discriminatory practice, or racism, racism, or any of that treatment where someone is to be unequal to another. Because quite frankly, we're all the same, we all bleed red, and that's how it ought to be. But, you know, that's just the sad part of life, is that there's so many disgusting people out there that think that only white people can do this, or only black people can do this. We're only Chinese. We're only, you know. Nah, man. It's just not the way life is. Not anymore. You either change, or you get changed. If you think about it. Somebody's going to make you. I mean, if Hulk Hogan has to go through what he gets into every single time, every single time, if Hulk Hogan has to go through and get you know, basically lambasted for everything he says every time because of what he said that was, you know, racist and awful, then, you know what, none of us are any different. You know, Hogan's a huge, huge star. But we all have to... We all have to be accountable for what we say and for what we do. So, let's take a look here. Well, Let's go ahead and change gears and talk a little bit about AEW and WWE's NXT. First off, let's go to AEW, where Dynamite from Pittsburgh, another tremendous, tremendous television show. AEW continues to deliver in a big, big way. We had the AEW Tag Team Tournament semifinals, Private Party in the Lucha Brothers. Great, great tag team contest between these guys. We would see the Lucha Brothers win in advance to the finals, But you gotta think that private party is on that short, short list of you know on the on the next up. For Quinn and for Cassidy, they should feel proud of themselves. They had a great outing, and the fans were loving it. Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and the Luch Brothers tore it down. I want to see this happen again, but I want to see it for the titles. And I'm going to say that I'm pretty sure that the Lucha Brothers are going to be our first tag team champions for AEW. I'm cool with that. I can't wait to see a rematch. Really, really like what they're doing in the tag team division for AEW. Uh, before we get to the second match of the semifinals, we get a, another vignette for Wardlow. Um, again, I have to claim ignorance. I'm not exactly familiar with Wardlow. I know that he has... A following, and I know that he's apparently pretty well known, but this guy looks like a hoss, and he looks like he could beat the t- crap out of just about anybody that steps us steps inside the ring from him. Um, I'm interested. <laughs> I'll watch. Let's see what happens. So the next next semifinal tag team tournament matchup was SCU versus the Dark Order, and this is a match that actually I was disappointed with, um, not because either team really failed to do well because I actually felt like they did all right. What bothers me about this, this matchup, this pairing is that I just don't feel like AEW has done a good job with truly building the dark order. And they have tried. Let's not, you know, throw them all the way under the bus, but the the dark order, if you're going to present like a, a cult kind of group where you know, they're evil and supposed to be bad, Them, and I get with the Inner Circle, you don't want to take away from the top faction in the company, but we needed to be able to see an evil, dastardly, underhanded, using the numbers game, at all costs kind of situation with the Dark Order and the SCU. We needed to see the Dark Order jumping and attacking people, beating down other teams. Maybe we should have seen them injure a team, or you know, take them out and have them come back after them for revenge or something like that. It's just—I don't know—they, their build-up hasn't caught with fans, and what bugs me the most about that is that this is a missed opportunity because the matchup actually was pretty decent, but I was disappointed because the entire time it's going on, you know, they're they're going to the inner circle and they're they're kind of having Jericho's... His his guys are rooting for the bad guys, and I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of get it, but Jericho and the inner circle are still kind of trying to play that we're bad, but we want you to like us kind of thing. Like, Jericho makes these smart comments, and, you know, they're very quippy and and quick, and I get that. He's, He's real smarmy with the way he delivers it, but frankly, if you're a bad guy, is... Should you really be pandering to anybody? Shouldn't you tell people to just shut up? You know, maybe Jericho's at that point in his career, we we talk about it a lot where he's basically like Ric Flair. But, you know, something has to be done to kinda of make this 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 stable, this faction, stand out just a little bit more than just Oh, but it's Jericho's group, it's the inner circle. Eh. Whatever. Anyway, SCU ends up winning this matchup as uh, the distraction from the inner circle tends to to fail to gain anything except television attention because I I couldn't really see that the crowd in in the audience on television really was distracted by what the inner circle did. Um, Dark Order hits the fatality finisher. SCU breaks free, hitting a huge, huge DDT. And SCU would hit their double-team finisher with an SCU later. For the one, two, three, it's going to be the Lucha Brothers versus SCU, which is Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, in the finals next week for the tag team championship. I really, really think this match is going to be a good one. It's going to have, you know, some bad blood from the Lucha Brothers attacking SCU initially to uh, put put themselves in a position to be kind of the the bad guy. Ta- We get a chance to see Joey Janela really, really shine here. And I just realized I had the mute button. (laughs) So, uh, basically put Omega and Janela from AEW Dark. was a tremendous contest. Tremendous non-sanctioned, hardcore-type match. They go back and forth in another knockdown dragout where Omega hits the one-winged angel. Janela's out. That's it. Great, great matchup. Um, This is actually showing that Joey Janela... Um, has a lot more to offer than just a hardcore style and a lot more to offer than just comedy. Um, and I like that because in the times that we've seen him locally, at least with uh, Nova Pro Wrestling a couple years back, his wrestling was, was on point. He was very, very good, very entertaining. And uh, I think that as we continue to see Joey Janela's star rise and we see him grow, it's really going to be good stuff, Really, really going to stand out. We got a segment here with Cody, Dustin, MJF, and DDP. Team Team Rhodes or Team Nightmare, or the Nightmare Family, I believe is what they call them, uh, to kind of have have a, a back and forth with the Inner Circle, and it turns into a backstage brawl. Which we had the surprise uh, appearance of DDP. I'm totally cool with that. Um, what I would like to see more of would be more of a. Mm, if we're gonna have the brawl, let's have it last maybe a little bit longer and have it an actual fight. Um, Jr. By the way, great call with the, oh my god, not the dipping dots. You know that was that was really cool. That that was really cool. Um, it's interesting though because you know Jericho's like I had a ticket. This is bull crap. You know this is horrible. And it was interesting to see the that dynamic Jericho remember earlier I was talking about how I'd like to see him do something and really solidify his way as kind of a bad guy, and this really did that. Uh, I feel like, you know, he's like, this is crap, I bought a ticket, and he's all whining on his knees. That that actually kind of worked. That kind of maybe turned it up a little bit. So we're sticking with the trend of tag team wrestling in our third tag team match of the evening as the best friends and the Young Bucks go at it. And Orange Cassidy has... (laughs) Has a moment, and I don't get where I, people get angry about Orange Cassidy. I think he's funny. I think he's entertaining, and I think when he finally, because he will, there's gonna be that snapping point when it finally happens. People are gonna go crazy because he's gonna do what he's doing right now. He's gonna do the kick to the shins or the, or the, you know, the hands in the pocket suicide dive and all that. But sooner or later, somebody's gonna really set him off and snap you know, make him snap, and, and that's going to be even more entertaining. A great tag match between the Bucks and the best friends. They continue to have great matches, by the way, the best friends. And, and I'm not a huge, uh, you know, Chucky e. T or Chuck Taylor fan. Doesn't mean I hate the guy or whatever. It's just not really been my cup of tea. But his tag team action with Trent Beretta has been great, and I want to see more of it. I will say this. Last week it looked a little concerning to me that Beretta got, was on the – the, you know, the the bad end of a finisher from Scorpio Sky. It looks like he recovered, but whew, these guys are really going at it, and they're not holding back. We would find out that the Young Bucks accepted the, the challenge for Santana and Ortiz at full gear. So now we've got the Bucks and Santana and Ortiz in tag team action at full gear. Uh, Britt Baker takes on Jamie Hayter, and, and this match was meh. Sorry, I'm 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 trying to get behind Britt Baker a little bit more here and there, but it's just not it's just not working for me. I I feel like there's there's something she could do better with, and maybe she will. Um, maybe Britt Baker will. But here's the thing: there's so there's so many different issues that's been going on with women's wrestling, and people are so anxious to do the, uh, you know, women's revolution. But here's the thing, like, Britt Baker, I'm hoping that Britt Baker is going to continue to improve, because she's had these flashes of brilliance. But this match with Jamie Hayter, it, it, Hayter actually looked good, looked like she was doing all right, but Baker just seems maybe unsure or nervous. Maybe her confidence level will get better as she goes forward. But that's not really the... Focal point. I wanted to get to the focal point, or the co- the confusing thing is. So we're backstage in a in a supposedly an interview between uh, Jane Decker and Jamie Hader, and Brandy Rhodes just attacks her out of nowhere, just levels her. So <laughs> this, uh, you know, Decker's like, "Hey, well, Brandy, what are you doing?" You know, it's just like trying to figure it out. And Brandy just has this face, like that. I, I guess you, there's there's memes already about it. It's the Brandy Rhodes angry face. Like, what? Like, really? It's just, eh, okay. Great. But hey, they're trying, right? So, now we've got a match between Moxley and Pac. The Bastard has been nothing short of just amazing since getting to AEW. He really has. And Moxley, I mean, we've talked about it tons of times. Moxley is just continually getting better. So this matchup just, we knew it was going to tear the house down, and it damn sure did. These guys went toe-to-toe. They went all over the place. They finally, finally get into the ring, and they start going at it. And the next thing you know, it's a, a time limit draw. So one of the things that AEW talked about when they first talked about coming out with and changing the world, right, was, you know, making sure that matches had finishes, that the win-loss record would, uh, you know, mean something, and all of that. Hmm. Really? Okay. So... If that's the case, then why... Why even... Why even go this direction? A time limit draw. So, here you got two guys. You got... Jon Moxley, who... If he loses now, his momentum supposedly would be... You know, halted or hurt. Pack, who's been on a tear. Who's choked out Kenny Omega. Choked out uh, Adam Page. Is undefeated so far also and they're like well you know instead of making a decision instead of just going forward and calling a winner regardless of who let's just oh I don't know let's just do a non-finish which is the absolute stupidest thing I've ever seen and hopefully hopefully there is some degree of thought about this going forward and maybe we don't see that much of it but at least the match was good that's the biggest part, and this match was very, very good. Um, these guys left it all in the ring, and it showed. I feel like when we talk about, you know, Mox or, or Pac for that matter, we are just seeing more and more impressive action, and hopefully, hopefully, we continue to see that because frankly, I I dig what we're seeing right now, and I think that. You know, for all of the different pieces that are going on, it's it's just exactly what we need. So, you know, AEW wins this week as far as ratings are concerned, but but they don't go over a million viewers. They're just under a million, about nine hundred and sixty nine seventy in total viewership. AEW manages to win round four. That's four weeks in a row that they've they've held on. NXT goes down again and NXT's in, in the ratings here it's under uh, it was just under seven hundred thousand. Hmm. That's a stiff loss. That's a that's a stiff drop. So what can NXT do? Truly, what can NXT do to come back and, and perhaps bring more fans in? In, in ratings wise and that's to say even if WWE is, is worried or even interested in making the ratings move so that question you have to look at what NXT is doing right now because NXT is still very successfully delivering solid solid shows let's go ahead and take a quick look at NXT from this most recent week on the 23rd. Head-to-head with AEW, we knew we were going to get a great, great main event as we were going to see Keith Lee, Donovan Dijakovic, and Roderick Strong for the North American title. We also got Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, which had a great knockdown dragout fight. Matt Riddle and Cameron Grimes. Oh my god, this was match of the night. This was a great matchup. My question though was, not that I dislike Matt Riddle winning. I actually do like it. But my question was, why did Cameron Grimes have to lose? Because Cameron Grimes has actually been built up for the past few weeks, and this is one of those moments where this is make or break, right? You need this guy to break through, and supposedly you would think you would kind of halt momentum on Matt Riddle's side, or, or maybe this means Cameron Grimes should have maybe faced somebody else. It's speculatory. it's armchair quarterbacking at its best, but either way, this match was great. Great matchup between Riddle and Grimes. I want to see another one because I liked it. I really dug it. So, the other things that we saw in this in this e- evening of a uh, of of wrestling action was Brazongo and Isaiah Scott versus the Forgotten Sons. Great six man tag match. Angel Garza versus Jack Gallagher. Gallagher continues to impress. Now we would f- we would see a number one contenders match for the women's tag team championship. Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox comes out the victor against Marina Shafir and Jesmyn Duke. This uh, this is intriguing. That means the Kabuki Warriors are scheduled to defend. Um, that means they de- they're defending on NXT. So that that's exciting next week. So triple threat for the North American Championship. Keith Lee, Donovan Dejakovic. And Roderick Strong, wow! This match was amazing. Uh, Keith Lee looks like a superstar, hitting a pounce, just, just destroying, destroying both guys. the The crowd was into it. It was it really played off well on television. At the end, it's you know it's the undisputed era standing tall. Gargano and Champa. Champa hits the ring to confront. Johnny Gar or to confront the undisputed era Johnny Gargano comes to the comes to the ring area and Finn Balor's in the ring and the next thing you know we get Finn Balor hitting the Pele kick on the back of gargano's head and now suddenly Balor has turned his back and that's how NXT ends I mean this was a great great show now granted I mean, if you're looking at the clock right now, you're going, well, Stan ran down all the matches and he talked a lot about the different segments and everything and then he zipped right through NXT. Well, frankly, that's that's what a lot of people are doing and I did it that way on purpose. AEW's appointment TV still. No one wants to miss an episode because they don't know what they're going to miss. It's live, right? And the replays, the replays are still drawing 400, 500,000. Look at NXT. NXT doesn't have a replay, but they're available on the WWE network. They're also available on demand because they're on the USA network. So, what does this mean? It means that they're drawing decent ratings, well, you would think, because they're supposed to be drawing decent ratings due to, yeah, that's right, due to being a developmental territory. But they're not. They're supposed to be the brand number three. They're supposed to be that Wrestling brand that fans have been wanting, and their shows have been great, but AEW still remains appointment television. So it's a lot of a lot of commentary there that says that WWE may not be able to correct the ship. I disagree. I think they can definitely do that. To me, it's more about the matches and the in the layout. For example, Keith Lee, Donovan Dejakovic, Donovan and Roderick Strong to open the show. To me, that's a no-brainer. You want to see this matchup. And if you already know that AEW is on a replay later, why don't you just watch that, right? Because AEW still is the talk of the town. Sooner or later, something's going to happen. Someone's going to have a misstep. It doesn't mean AEW's going to fail. But sooner or later, there's going to be a mistake, and it's going to be that one opening that WWE or NXT would need to capitalize. If they could capitalize... Because thus far, four weeks in, we haven't seen anybody really make a major change. But maybe with this change with Finn Balor going on and him being heel, it changes things. But like we talked about last week, does that mean that if Finn Balor is getting that much attention, that guys like Donovan Dijakovic, Keith Lee, do they lose time? Matt Riddle, Cameron Grimes, would they lose time? There's a lot of room for asking these questions. Thus far, it hasn't happened. But Ballard just churned this week. So I guess we'll see what happens this coming Wednesday. So, we go from that to, you know, really, the news of the week has been just overwhelmingly towards what happened with Jordan Miles, honestly, this today. And, you know, we've talked an awful lot already about it. I've, I think I've said my piece when it comes to how we feel here as a show, but also how people feel overall, I think, as fans. But it speaks to the unimportance or the disinterest in Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. I mean, Raw Raw starts off as their build up to Crown Jewel continues. Again, Crown Jewel is this is this event that's happening in Saudi Arabia on a Thursday afternoon I mean, who, who's going to watch that? That's the, that's the honest truth. It's... And, you know, I don't think Brian or Rob would ever forgive me, but to me it feels like they're using blood money to hold this event. Now granted, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars, and it seems foolish to me that people would think that, you know, they should turn it away, but at the same time, you have to have some morals and standards. There's got to be ethics. It'd be like... You know, if you knew that you were getting a million dollars, but it meant that everybody that you knew had to die, would you accept it? Well, obviously the answer is no. Well, here's the thing. Here's this guy, that this this prince overseas, that has been proven in an investigation that he was responsible for the ordered assassination of a reporter. That's a lot. <laughs> and that's serious. So... You would think that someone in WWE would have noticed that. But, hey, guess what? This isn't uh, the first time that they haven't noticed or haven't paid attention. Remember, we were just talking about Jordan Miles and that T-shirt where they basically put the blame back on Jordan Miles. Say, well, you know, he helped us design it. Oops. You know, come on, guys. you got to take some accountability. Yes, we, we designed the shirt. Yes, he collaborated with us. But, yes, we designed the shirt. And as a result, we're pulling the shirt off the market. We're very sorry, blah, 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 blah. Say whatever's needed. By the way, when I say say whatever's needed, I do mean you have to mean it. You can't just say it to say it. Just just, just a thought. Anyway, back over to Raw. Nothing really with Monday Night Raw stood out as far as good quality programming or anything that was great. It, it wasn't... What Brian and I have called it has been it's, in, it's, on, it's on TV. It's in the background, and, you know, you pay attention every now and again. You look up. Like, Seth Rollins and Umberto Carrillo was a great matchup. I'll give him credit for that. It actually was very, very good. Uh, Rollins giving him the nod, saying he's going to be a huge star. I liked that. Um, the Street Profits versus the OC in the main event. I like that the OC, including AJ Styles, is getting main event time. And I like that the Street Profits are getting good attention like that as well. It was cool to see Kevin Owens be that guy to come out. And and I'm hopeful, very, very hopeful, that Kevin Owens continues to get that, that main event push. His role as a good guy was unexpected in my opinion, but it really has played off well. And I feel like Kevin Owens has a lot to offer. But if you really look at it, Outside of, you know, talk about Bray Wyatt and that horrible, horrible segment with Kane Velasquez and Sheldon Benjamin. Am I the only guy that thinks that maybe Kane Velasquez looks like a lesser great colleague? He walks like him. He kind of talks like him. Maybe apparently they signed a long-term deal with him. The awkward warning is just going off right now. And I just don't know if I want anything to do with it. I will say I'm glad to see the Viking Raiders continue to get uh, victories. Um, but, hey, we don't need to see Rusev and Lana and Lashley in a love triangle or, or a divorce court situation. Why on earth would you want to do that for this upcoming Raw? That I'm not interested in. You know, Team Flair versus Team Hogan, I'm not interested in that. Drew McIntyre and Ricochet, by the way, great matchup. Great matchup. This actually came off really good on TV. crowd was definitely into it. So, we'll go from that to SmackDown, right? Let's look at SmackDown. We go to SmackDown on the 25th this past Friday, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of it. I mean, one of the things that really sets me off is, why is Chad Gable being called Shorty G? Who the hell thought that was a good idea? Is this just... I mean, really? No. I'll pass on that. So, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler went head-to-head against the New Day, and, uh... You know, it was Kofi and Big E. wasn't It wasn't uh, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't Xavier Woods because Xavier Woods just tore his Achilles heel. By the way, Xavier Woods, hope you get better soon. Um, hoping that uh, you don't have to worry about um, too much too much trouble when you're recovering. But uh, the the prediction right now is in nine months. Anyway, Robert Rudolph Ziggler beat the New Day fairly good to see this. Um, I'll be honest, I did watch this part. It was a good matchup between the two. Uh, two tag teams, that is. I would say that uh, I would kind of like to see Dolphin and, and Robert Root still be a tag team as they go forward. Uh, I don't want to see them get broke up because this is one of those rare times where an actual you know, random pairing works and now, if you split them, kind of like the bar, people are going to be asking questions like, what happened? So, Bray Wyatt and The Fiend has a Firefly Funhouse segment and you know basically they hold a funeral segment for for Ramblin' Rabbit and and I just got to say that I'm not I'm not sure what in the world they're doing but Bray Wyatt continues to be the most entertaining thing on WWE television. I I do think that that's just Insane, and I, I'm digging. I'm digging watching what they're doing with him. Uh, Gulak Kalisto had a good matchup. Kalisto comes out ahead, don't like that. Um, you know, Gulak is to me, G- Drew. Drew Gulak is a star, and he should be winning these wrestling matches. He should be, you know, he should have submitted Kalisto, but apparently, Kalisto. Is still a bigger star than Drew Gulak in the eyes of everybody else. Don't get it. Whatever. That's the thing, you know. Looking at all of these different pieces, we see and have heard a lot of commentary as to what WWE is doing wrong, what they're doing right, and all of these things. Well, there's a segment in SmackDown where uh, Daniel Bryan is comes to the ring and is basically asked by Sami Zayn if he can be his manager, and if he wants to partner with him and Nakamura. Interestingly enough, though, Daniel Bryan doesn't say no, doesn't say yes, just looks at the crowd, looks down, and walks away. So, decent storyline there. I actually kind of like that build-up, and hey, Is it really a bad thing to see Daniel Bryan feud for the Intercontinental Championship? Is there anything wrong with that? Does anybody have a problem with that? No? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, it's interesting because Nikki Cross is on her way to challenging Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'm okay with this. But here's the thing. With Bayley as the newly newly crowned champ and a bad guy, we have to know that Cross is going to lose and Bailey is going to do something dastardly to do it. That's fine with me. But who's after that? Is it Alexa Bliss? Are you really going to have Bailey run roughshod over everybody on SmackDown until she gets to Sasha and Sasha's going to miraculously be a good guy? I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh oh yeah. Brock Lesnar jumps Dominic and uh they go at it, and then he <clears throat> throws Cain, Cain Velasquez around. It's just a huge brawl backstage. I got, it's just, what? I don't want to see these guys. I'm, I'm being honest. I don't want to see it. Um, I will say that it, the six-man tag at the end with the main event, Roman Reigns letting hit, uh, letting Ali hit the 0 5 for the pin, I'm okay with that. I'll take that. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, let's get rid of the Shorty G. That's just stupidity. Uh, And with that, we're going to go ahead and talk about NWA Power. I'm just going to pull up the results here. If you haven't, by the way, checked out NWA Power, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. Well, there's a ton of different ways you can do it. Uh, You can find NWA Power on YouTube for free. You can find the link. We typically update it the same day on c2cradioshow.com. And it's, I mean, guys, it's everywhere. And I definitely encourage you to check it out. These shows are intense. They're entertaining. Um, And they're only an hour. So, like, you you get a a quick burst of wrestling. And when it's done, you're, you're left wanting more. It's studio. It's old school. It's, I mean... It's just good stuff. So this week starts off with a recap of the story between uh, Nick Aldis and Camille and Joe Gailey. Uh, Gailey basically saying that, you know, he was having another interview with us, but thought that he wanted to keep that uh, interview focused on the next challenger for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, so basically he was told that he didn't want to be put in a position where he couldn't focus, so they weren't going to do the interview. Um, I'm sorry, I just totally botched that. Let's try that one more time as we continue to be live. Uh, the, the NWA Power show opens up with Audis and Camille in a recap of the storyline within Joe, Joe Galley or Ga- I think it's Galley. Joe Galli or Gailey basically says that he's going to have a third interview with Nick Audis, but he's going to keep the interview focused to the next challenger for the world title. So they're keeping this storyline where, where Camille is a focal point, but not a focal point, if that makes sense. Marty Bell has her debut on NWA Power, defeating Crystal Rose. Interesting to see Marty Bell there. Hopefully she continues to do well. I'm a big Marty Bell fan. Then um, Aaron Stevens come out and demands that the fans listen to him, but not make eye contact. Glad that they're sticking with that. And he's promoting promoting a new movie called Tropical Pirates. And uh, what they're doing here is they're having, you know, the fans, that they're chanting Captain Morgan. And they're showing a clip from the film, and then he says, when it comes to acting, I have more chops than Ric Flair. And the fans, by the way, booed loudly. It's kind of crazy. So, we have the Dawsons taking on Eli Drake and Tim Storm. Tim, Eli Drake has been basically encouraging you know, Tim Storm to, to be his partner. He says, you know, there could be a future there. They could win Tag Team Gold. Storm says he'd think about it. So, Josephus comes out later on and says that he wants to make a public apology to James Storm and asks to shake his hand. Well, instead of... James Storm coming out, it turns out to be Colt Cabana, who's in- imitating James Storm. Not sure why, but anyway. So he does all this, and Cephas just proceeds to throw powder into his face and attacks him. Just beats the snot out of him, really. Storm comes from behind, super kicks him, and Cabana was about to eat a super kick from Storm, but Ken Anderson hits the ring. This was a little bit of a confusing segment, by the way. Because you got all these different things happening, all these different things going on, and honestly, the 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 segment was confusing because I thought we were supposed to see, um, you know, Josephus and James Storm, but then we get Cabana mixed in, and then instead of Cabana mixed in, now we've got Ken Anderson running in. It's just like, uh, okay, that's just weird. That's what I think. So the tag team matches is our main event. It's the Dawson's against Eli Drake and Tim Storm. Um, So it ends up being actually a very heated tag team contest as both teams really, really gave it their all. Um, I like Tim Storm, by the way. I don't care how old the guy is. As long as he's able to perform, keep doing it. Um, But Storm manages to get the hot tag to Drake. Drake goes in, cleans house, but gets driven into the ring post. And Storm gets left by himself. He tries to fight it off, tries his best, but they hit a combo splat, squash, and then they hit a power slam for the pin. They continue the beat down until Kingston, Eddie Kingston, and Homicide would hit the ring and make the save. Mick Outis would actually come out and check on. He would actually come out and check on Tim Storm. So that was kind of cool. He comes, and makes the save. So you're kind of now at this crossroad: Is Nick Outis a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he hinting at it? You know, it's interesting. So they kind of put this together in a decent way. Well, yeah, the the thing with Josephus was confusing. Um, at least we got to see some really, really good wrestling. And NWA Power, hey, you guys are continuing to put together great shows. Please keep it up. And, uh, oh, by the way, Into the Fire, NWA's pay-per-view, which is scheduled for January, already sold out. Congratulations, to NWA, for bringing it back and being successful. That is awesome. So, with that being said, we've covered a lot of wrestling in a short amount of time. I'm actually going to wrap us up here for the night. Uh, If we record or do a live segment later on this week, um, that'll be up to the guys because I'm quite frankly tired. (laughs) But uh, we got a lot to look at this week as we head into round five of AEW and NXT. Should be interesting. We got the women's tag team championship on the line as uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai take on the Kabuki Warriors over on NXT. We got the women, uh, excuse me the men's tag team championship on AEW as the Lucha Brothers take on SCU. Two very good tag team contests. This should be interesting to see where the ratings fall. I want to see what the numbers look like on Thursday after Dynamite and after uh, NXT. Because to me, to me, it's going to get closer. And that's kind of cool. Because I want to see as it gets closer, if we can possibly see an expansion or a growth of the audience. Because imagine if we can get 2 million watching one and 2 million watching another... Now you're doing something on both sides, by the way. Now you're pulling in an audience, and now you're growing. And now the business is changing. So that's what we want. So uh, you can catch up with the show at C2C Radio Show on Twitter. C2CRadioShow.com is our website. Corner to Corner Show and Corner to Corner Wrestling on Facebook. Corner the number two and corner, so corner to corner on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Stan Grub all over social media that's twitter facebook instagram and even yeah that's right even youtube um and then of course you can find the guys brian's at strcp21 on twitter and brian taylor on facebook uh at rob hefner c2c on twitter for rob and rob hefner on facebook rdhewp on instagram for rob Thanks again for listening. We definitely appreciate you. I want to say thank you to everybody all over the world for your support. Website is seeing so much growth, and I thank you by the by. Don't forget, we're going to be seeing some pro wrestling crate images coming in from Brian very soon. And that's right, NWA Power is coming up again this week on Tuesday. We'll be updating the link as soon as it's available on the page. So, Thanks again, have a great night, and we'll see you next time right here on Corner to Corner.